Good morning. And happy Epiphany. Appreciate Dwayne and Lilo know, know something about Epiphany. Most of us don't. Some of you are saying, why should we care? A bunch of years ago, um, Connie and I took a trip to the Black Hills with our kids. And I remember that when we got there to Mount Rushmore, that I was pretty excited because I grew up hearing about Mount Rushmore and I knew something of how famous Mount Rushmore is and some of the mystique surrounding it and everything. And I remember pulling up there, and, and I think it was my son, Ken, this is before we had David and Justin, that uh, my son, Ken, got out, and I think he, he kind of said, like, is that all it is? <laughs> I don't think any of our kids were all that impressed with Mount Rushmore. I think... Katie and Kimberly were probably more impressed with the chipmunks running around and squirrels and going into the gift shop, having some lunch. You know, that was that, those were all, you know, pluses. But I think looking up at the stone faces that had been carved out of the rock, it was kind of like, yeah, whatever. And um, honestly, I think that's where, where we're at is sometimes we just don't appreciate the moment because we really just don't understand what went into it. And so when we talk about some of the traditions of the more liturgical church, and we look at that, some of us are like, oh. and, and we don't understand why it's there. We don't understand the significance. And um, I, I really want to help us appreciate the moment that we refer to as Epiphany. Um, it's the last Sunday designated to better appreciate the Incarnation. It's not a matter of, okay, this is it. We don't appreciate the Incarnation anymore. It's that the early church set apart this time to, to say that Christmas Day isn't enough time to celebrate the Incarnation of Christ. That, that, and, and that's what many of us do, and that's what I grew up with. Many of you grew up with the same thing, that we celebrate Christmas from basically... Right after Thanksgiving, I mean, let's face it, Black Friday, right? That's when some people set up their Christmas tree and they start celebrating Christmas. And then Christmas Day is the culmination. Some of you take down your trees the next day. Some of you are just like, I'm done with it. Whatever, you know, however you deal with it. I have a friend that, that I noticed that she decided to keep her Christmas tree up, but she decorated it for the winter. Because it was just too much stinking work to put it up to only enjoy it for a couple weeks. And so who knows how long she'll have it up before she finally takes it down. But um, the point that we're looking at is, is that Epiphany was a part of this celebration for us to really take a look at what the significance of the um, incarnation is to us. And so Epiphany means 
in the Greek, appearance or manifestation. If you look it up in a dictionary, it'll say something about a revelatory manifestation of divine being, a revelation of God. Let's put it that way. Another thing that, uh, and I know more about Epiphany because of the movie Hook. You guys remember that line? Some of you are chuckling about it. When Hook says to Shmi, I just had an epiphany. Epiphany what? Exactly. And then he says, lightning has has just struck my brain. And then Shmi says what? That must have hurt. Exactly. And so my knowledge about epiphany kind of goes with with that. And it's a sudden insight or understanding. And I think it's good if we look at epiphany as meaning these things, appearance or manifestation, a revelatory manifestation of a divine being, a sudden insight or understanding. Because, church, we need an epiphany of God. And it's not a matter of a one-time event. The manifestation of of, of Christ to the Gentiles is, is what this celebrates, and, and we're going to go through this fairly quickly. But I want, I want you to think about it is we could break this down into the Western church and the Eastern church, and we could try and just split it all up, but I'm just going to kind of bring it all together into one. And in the early church, what they... And, and still today, I, I, when I say the early church, sometimes that's true, that it was just the early church. And there is one thing that we're going to address there in a moment. But the early church and, and many of uh, the expressions of the body of Christ even today, when they think of Epiphany, they celebrate his baptism, the baptism of Christ in Mark 1, 9 through 11. The reason is, is because Epiphany means manifestation or appearance. And so what Epiphany is celebrating is the manifestation of Messiah to the Gentiles. In other words, they are realizing they had an insight that Jesus wasn't just for the Jews. And this should give all of us, unless, you're, unless you've got some really strong Jewish blood in you, it should give all of us a reason to celebrate. Because this, isn't, this gospel isn't just for the Jews. It's for all of us. And so when they look at his baptism out of Mark chapter 1, verses 9 through 11, it says, It came to pass in those days that Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And immediately, coming up from the water, he saw the heavens parting, and the Spirit descending upon him like a dove. Then a voice came from heaven, You are my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. What this is celebrating, what this is looking at, as part of Epiphany, is the manifestation of God's only Son. It's, it's celebrating that there is no other way. God didn't confuse you, Wayne, and say, here, there's several things that you can, you can consider this way or this way or this way. He's saying, no, my son is the only way. And then Jesus confirms that and says, I am the way, 
the truth, and the life. I was listening to something the other day, and I, I, I don't have time to go into this completely, but when Jesus says that I am the way, the truth, and the life, it harkens back to the garden when Adam and Eve were booted out and they couldn't partake of the tree of life. But Jesus is our tree of life. The manifestation of God's only son. God speaking that there is something way out of the ordinary going on here. Can you imagine? Can you imagine baptizing somebody and a voice from heaven? This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. God's up to something brand new. It's unheard of before this. He is well pleased with his son. This is at the beginning of his call. And then when we look at this, the epiphany is the incarnation in us. God is well pleased with you. I don't know what kind of relationship you had with your earthly father. Some of you have had really good relationships. Some of you haven't had such good relationships. Some of you are just like, yeah, it's, it's all right. But uh, no matter what, I want, I want you guys to hear something. You are my beloved child, and I am well pleased with you. If Jesus is in us, it's not a matter of how many hoops we jump through. It's not a matter of trying to work our way to it. It's he is well pleased with us because he is well pleased with the son who we've accepted into our hearts and lives. Amen? Amen. Now, the second thing that the, the church would celebrate as a part of Epiphany is changing water into wine. And we're going to talk about why these are significant here in a, in a little bit. But John 2, 1 through 11. And, and uh, this really struck me, you know, as I, I looked at this in, in the history of the church. Changing water into wine was one of the epiphanies of Christ that said, he's, he's for us. He's for all of us. On the third day, there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Now, both Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding. And when they ran out of wine, the mother of Jesus said to him, They have no wine. Jesus said to her, Woman, what does your concern have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. Now, before we read the rest of this, this isn't Jesus putting down his mom. Some people, some people like to do that. He's, he's basically saying, um, what's this concern have to do with me? What, what are you trying to get at? What, what, what's your point? But I love Mary's response. Mary didn't argue with them, doesn't say anything about her trying to manipulate any more than that. She just goes to the servants and said, whatever he says to you, do it. Now there were set there six water pots of stone according to the manner of purification of the Jews. In other words, there was, uh, these water pots were part of the purification for uh, pouring out into a basin and using to, 
to wash your hands and do your purification before you went in. So there's six water pots of stone uh, containing 20 or 30 gallons apiece. You guys can do the math, right? Jesus said to them, fill the water pots with water. And because they had been told by Mary, whatever he says to you, do it. I'm like, all right, we'll go fill them up with water. We've already emptied them, so I'm, we're filling them back up. And they filled them up to the brim. And he said to them, draw some out now and take it to the master of the feast. And they took it. When the master of the feast had tasted the water that was made wine and did not know where it came from, but the servants who had drawn the water knew, the master of the feast called the bridegroom and, and he said to him, every man at the beginning sets out the good wine. In the, and when the guests have well drunk, then the inferior. You have kept the good wine until now. This beginning of signs Jesus did in Cana of Galilee and manifested, or epiphanied, his glory, and his disciples believed in him. I want you guys to realize something's happening here. This is happening to his disciples that it says that this beginning of signs Jesus did in Cana of Galilee and manifested his glory, and his disciples believed in him. This miracle, even before his time, revealed his glory to his disciples, and his disciples believed. So there's something happening, and as a result, this miracle is having an effect on what they think about Jesus. Water to wine. What, what is that? I think it's a transformation, don't you? It's a miracle, and his disciples believed in him. Sinner to saint. I think that's a transformation. I think that's why the early church recognized this as critical to the gospel being told, is there's a miraculous transformation taking place in us today. His glory is being revealed. Do you believe in him? And then third, the coming of the Magi, or as we call them oftentimes the wise men or the three kings. We don't really know if there were just three kings. The assumptions made that there were three kings based on the fact that they were three gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And there's, I did, did quite a bit of study on the gold, frankincense, and myrrh, and I'm not going to really dwell on that today, but I want to read this portion out of Matthew 2, 1 through 12. Listen carefully. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. Now, I'll give you guys some history with this. Why was all Jerusalem troubled with Herod being concerned about where this, where this king was born? Because Herod had had even his own children killed. He'd had his wife's family, a lot of it killed. He was worried about anybody that could rise up and replace him as king. And so when it says all Jerusalem was worried with him, it's because who's going to get killed now? This guy's nuts. He'll take anybody out. It's, 
it reminds me a lot of a, a, a contemporary uh, that we know of in North Korea who's killed all sorts of family members, friends, close, close confidants, just at the hint of possibly rising up to, to oppose him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. So they said to him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod, when he had secretly called the wise men, determined from them what time the star had appeared, and he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the young child. And when you have found him, bring back word to me that I may come and worship him also. When they heard the king, they departed, and behold, the star which they had seen in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy, and when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Now, magi were, were not sorcerers or magi- magicians necessarily, although the term magician comes from this word. They weren't simply astrologers, although they did observe the stars. They were sages, wise men, often in positions of responsibility, but sometimes commanding respect because of their wisdom, even when not holding office. These magi came from the Medo Persian Empire or Babylon. So basically we could say that they traveled over 750 miles, somewhere over 60 days of travel by foot or on the backs of camels or whatever, 60 days of travel, one way. Why? Because God was placing them the same way that that God had placed Joseph and Mary from Nazareth to Bethlehem, that here we have the the wise men from the east coming in, and it's because of this. They're drawing attention to an epiphany. They've studied, they've watched, and for those of you that ever watched the video, what's it called, Richard? Uh, Is it the Bethlehem Star or the Star of Bethlehem? Star of Bethlehem is a very, very good documentary if you've not, not watched it. There's a few of us that have a copy of that. Um, if you watch that, you will see that the Star of Bethlehem is, has been figured out very, very well. Um, very interesting to watch. But they were watching this display over a period of time. And this is all taking place, and the, and the wise men are saying, this isn't the usual thing that's going on. And, and they knew that, that there was something that God was up to. And they're drawing attention to this heavily, heavenly manifestation, letting others know the heavenly manifestation was for a heavenly miracle of God's glory. Now, what I find interesting is we have the shepherds who are basically the, the social outcast of Israel, and then we have on the other end, and they're, the, the shepherds, remember, they're here on the first night. 
they have this encounter with an angel and then angels showing up and they go and they witness this baby's been born. And they tell their mom, tell Mary about what has happened and it says that she treasured those things in her heart. So we have that on one end of it and it's sandwiched in between then you take the wise men who are deeply revered, deeply respected, oftentimes having some wealth, which is shown by the fact that they brought gold, frankincense, and myrrh as gifts. I think the juxtaposition of that is God saying, I'm for everybody. And, and by the way, even though in our traditions we, we look at it and we think of the wise men showing up about the same time that Jesus was born, it's somewhere around 40 days to two years after his birth. And I could go into all sorts of detail of why we, we know that, but it would have been after Mary's purification, after having the child, and then it would have been, uh, because we know that uh, when Herod did his investigation about how old would, would this child be, and he killed all of the babies in Bethlehem from two years, all the male babies from two years and below. So we know somewhere in that range, and, and, and it's probably uh, closer to the 40-day mark, but there's some people that believe that it's two years after his birth. And I, I think Psalm 111, 9 through 10 is so fitting here. Uh, Because it says, he has sent redemption to his people. He has commanded his covenant forever. Holy and awesome is his name. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. A good understanding have all those who do his commandments. His praise endures forever. And I think that fits with the epiphany of the wise men showing up. But epiphany is not just the end of a season. It's not just the end of the season of Christmas. It's a recognition of God's activity to reveal himself to us. It's the recognition that God is knowable. I've used this illustration many times, but God is infinite, and our finite brains can't completely contain all there is about God. It's like taking a bucket And putting it in the bottom of the ocean. Does the bucket contain the ocean? No, but it contains a part of it. And that's that's where we're at is God is revealing himself. There's epiphanies happening here. And, And could I say to you guys that epiphanies are still happening today. Well, what what am I happen or what am I talking about that? Well, someone had an epiphany. They had a manifestation. They had an appearance. They had an, uh, an understanding that Jesus Christ is Lord. And because of that understanding, they talked to Richard. And, and they talked to him about their epiphany. And at that point in time, Richard had an epiphany. And there was a manifestation of Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior in Richard's life at that time. And that continues to happen in multiple ways today. It 
See, I love, I love the fact, if I could just stop here for a second and tell you guys, I love getting to discover the significance, and I know I'm just scratching the surface, but I love getting to discover the significance of Epiphany. This Sunday, that the church has celebrated for well over a thousand years. In fact, I'll, I'll just tell you guys that um, the Epiphany was originally for the early church when they celebrated Christmas. So, I would challenge you, and I'm challenging myself with this as well. Ask the Lord for further epiphanies in this year. An epiphany or a manifestation of the Father's approval. Don't, don't you guys all need that? God, am I doing okay? An epiphany of his transformational work. If he can take water and turn it into wine, not just wine, fine wine, the finest wine, he can make transformational stuff happen in you and through you. An epiphany of his arrival. Your circumstances just had a manifestation that wise men seek. Let me say that again. Your circumstances just had a manifestation that wise men seek. I don't know if you guys caught that. Your circumstances, where you're at today, is a manifestation of His grace in your life that wise men look for. Is that good news? That's more about the incarnation than than meets the eye. God stepped into our world to show us what his kingdom life looks like. And wise men came to witness the event. God is still stepping in to show us what his kingdom looks like in our lives. And and some of us blow it terribly. I blow it terribly. But the manifestation of his grace still shows up and... Wise men seek those moments. What further manifestations or appearances can Jesus make in your life this year? I think of an epiphany of our healer, an epiphany of our restorer, an epiphany of our reconciler, an epiphany of our comforter, an epiphany of our king, an epiphany of one that sits with us, is there in the hospital when all hope is gone. An epiphany of a God who says, I'm with you even when you feel like nobody cares. That's what we need. Are you seeing anything now? Are you recognizing his presence? Are you recognizing that the Lord is with you? The incarnation of Christ is not something out there. It's something to be brought in here. It's something to be owned and understood. This this isn't, well, I can do with it or without it. I can't live without it. 
I need that epiphany. I need that every day. I need to wake up and in the morning say, Lord, I love you. Thank you for your presence. Thank you that you never leave me nor forsake me. And I'm worthy of being forsaken, Lord. So as we come to the communion table today, Our knowledge of Jesus really starts with the premise that he's been revealed as the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Our time spent at this moment should be to reflect on that epiphany of his mercy revealed, his grace revealed to us. Personally, taking a moment to say, Jesus loves me. He gave his life for me. He came as a baby. He subjected himself to so much to redeem me. This table should help us reflect on that Jesus has a right to lead us in this new year that I shouldn't be just going out and living however I want. There should be something about me seeking His will. God, is this your will? Is this your desire? What are you wanting for me? Paul writes to the Corinthian church in 1 Corinthians 11, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the same night in which He was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. You guys realize an epiphany is happening right here that I'm reading about. He's saying this, take take this bread. It represents my body that's broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the epiphany of his death until he comes back. I know I might be overusing that word epiphany. I like it today. I want want an epiphany of Christ that's fresh in my life. And I want that for all of us, church. But you know what's more important? Jesus wants it for all of us. So as you come to this table this morning to partake, pray and ask the Lord, I want a fresh epiphany of who you are in my life. I want to recognize your presence, Lord. I want to recognize your lordship, your leadership, your rightful place as not only my Savior, but Lord, your rightful place as my Lord to lead me, to guide me into all righteousness. In Jesus' name, Lord. Amen.